Welcome to the Surge Holdings Incorporated CEO Conference Call and Q&A session. Surge is a publicly traded company under the ticker symbol SURG. Since they are a public company, please listen to the forward-looking statements that also can be found in every company press release. This call may contain information that constitutes forward-looking statements made pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Any such forward-looking statements involve risk and uncertainties that could actually result to differ materially from any future results described by the forward-looking statements. Risk factors that could contribute to such differences include those matters more fully disclosed in the company's report filed, reports, excuse me, filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The forward-looking information provided herein represents the company's estimates as of the date of this call and subsequent events and developments may cause the company's estimates to change. The company specifically disclaims any obligation to update the forward-looking information in the future. Therefore, this forward-looking information should not be relied upon as representing the company's estimates of its future financial performance as of any date subsequent to the date of this call. With that, I would like to welcome Brian Cox, CEO of Surge Holdings Incorporated, a company recognized by Deloitte Technology Fast 500 as one of the fastest growing companies in North America. Brian, the call is yours. Hey, Stuart. Thanks for having me. And I wanted to uh, piggyback on what you were just saying here, that this call is not an earnings and projections call. Rather, it's a platform that we wanted to use to be able to address the most commonly asked questions whether it be through our investor relations people or just people on the street or, you know, people that we know. We've got, uh, you know, we've got a, lot of, a lot of folks that come up to us because they're excited about what we're doing, and these are a lot of the questions. You know, it's difficult for us to answer those on the go. So I wanted to give a platform. We, we figured that people have heard me in interviews and, and seen a lot of press releases, but to be able to specifically answer the questions that were submitted and then uh, in reference to, you know, where we are as a company and what we're uh, looking at the new year, be a good opportunity to get to uh, roll these out. So why don't we go ahead and just dive in? Very well. Well, here's the first question. Surge Logic seems to be a very profitable subsidiary, but doesn't have to do with the core business of Surge and the underbanked. What is this company and how does it fit into the big picture? Hey, that's a great question to start off with. The legacy company, when we merged our wireless companies and software companies, was called K6. The company was an online media company that did lead generation and other ads, whether it be Facebook, Google ads, or what have you. Once we merged together and we took control of the company and changed the branding over to Surge, we changed the branding of the legacy company to Surge Logics. Now, one of the unique byproducts of our Centercom acquisition in 2019 was the ability for Surge Logics not only to provide leads to its clients, which over the last two years has evolved into attorney firms that are engaged in mass tort uh, lawsuits, which layman's terms, uh, you know, finding leads in people that were affected by different drugs or Roundup or other things out there and delivering these leads to these attorney firms we were able to provide qualified leads, not just leads. So we have now between 30 and 40 people down at Centercom that will call 
and touch base with all of the leads, and we're getting two to four x payments on the uh, you know what would have been the normal pay scale. So the really cool thing about Surge Logics is right now it's kind of siloed off to the side. You're right; it does not have to do with the underbanked. It doesn't have to do with our core focus on a day to day mindset in the company. But what it does have to do with is providing over a hundred thousand dollar profit contribution a month to the holding company. So we don't have a lot of cross-section, back-and-forth employees. So it is a really cool um, uh, subsidiary to own. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it definitely contributes profit-wise to the overall company uh, each month. And Carter, who is the previous CEO of the public company, now is president and doing a wonderful job over there at Search Logics with his team. Excellent. Okay, next question. Please give details on what the money that was raised in 2019, what was it used for? Sure. We had a surgical plan to roll out a certain number of key products using a software platform, and there were a couple of other aspects of that software platform that we wanted to develop. We didn't want to try to hit the ground running with sales while we were still in development or didn't have, let's just call it all of our bullets locked and loaded, which would be our products. So 2019, from the very beginning of the year, I laid out for the team and the board that this was going to be the year of development, year of infrastructure, and the year of getting everything together and getting it ready to roll out to market. And that's what most of the money was used for, the developing the platforms, you know, the, the Surge Rewards app that we, uh, that we purchased. Uh, you know, I believe we've got three software platforms now. The wireless company that we were able to pull together, everything we needed for those products, the Visa integration, and then covering the day-to-day expenses associated with this development while we were getting ready for the ramp-up rollout. All right, give an update on AATAC, commonly referred to as the ATAC, and the rollout to stores and the commitment from their organization to get Surge into their member stores. Sure. This is probably one of the more popular questions we get because there was a time in 2019 you know, where this was obviously the, the biggest news of the day. Now, so let's just dive in. The ATAC, as we call it, the ATAC rollout, we divided our, um, uh, let me rephrase that, we had two other companies that we were going in together to split the marketing fee to get in these stores. There was a CBD company and a candy company. The candy company, once we got everything ready, uh, I think it was around June, July, the candy company had a delay in their packaging. Ended up being a four-month delay in packaging. Uh, now, obviously, this is something that was out of our control. It was uh, you know, bluntly frustrating. Uh, it was unexpected. And, you know, the, this goes back to that whole crystal ball thing that we always talk about. Uh, but what that put us in a position of was, okay, well, look, ATAC is this, is, this is being delayed. This is pushing into the holidays. This is something that we had anticipated rolling out faster. It has not. So what we did as a team, we rolled up our sleeves. You know, our team is a bunch of fighters. We're, we're, we're experienced guys. We don't sit around uh, and twiddle our thumbs and, and whine or pout or point fingers and go and make excuses. So this is also what coincided with the sense of urgency to go ahead and close the ECS deal, to go ahead and get us those locations at 10,000 stores 
that was where we wanted to be from the ATEC rollout by the end of the year. Uh, it's kind of one of those, hey, we're going to do it one way or another. So we did that. We closed on ECS. We were able to accomplish the number of stores by the end of the year. It just wasn't how we had thought, uh, you know, once uh, when we did the ATEC deal. Now, as far as the ATEC deal today, once we saw that there was a delay and once the products actually did get down to the stores and um, to ATAC and they were able to roll these out, I flew down to Tampa myself. I looked at the, the sales training material, what the reps were bringing in the stores. We retooled, retrained on our products, on um, you know how our software platform needed to be sold. Again, going back on my experience of 20 years traveling throughout the southeast, this is how I, I made my first, uh, you know, way in the world, so to speak. So this is something that I took on myself. I am the lead contact with ATAC. I get updates daily. As a matter of fact, I'm getting another update uh, a couple hours after this phone call. So I know this is a long answer, but this was a very, uh, this is, is one of those where, you know, ATAC rolling out is building on their relationship of 110,000 stores. Do we want to access that relationship? Absolutely. Has this moved at the speed that my team, that, that surged, that all of us would have liked to move at, or that we do move? Absolutely not. Um, you know, we, we, we can't, we can control what we can control, and we're doing that. And so we did take matters into our own hands with the ECS piece. And we do expect, I still have confidence in ATAC. ATAC has a huge financial incentive to get this out and make it work. Now that the holidays are over, now that everything is back in sync, we do expect to start seeing those results in the first quarter. But, uh, but this is something, and this is another item where I'm going to be very transparent on, and we're going to put out there as we do achieve these goals that we initially set out with ATAC. Very good. When will we see the revenue from ECS as part of the consolidated revenue? When will it show up on the sales? And will this put us over $50 million a year in sales? Yeah, you know, I always cringe when I hear exact numbers and questions, but I, I can speak on this number, and I can speak on the ECS piece. We closed on ECS, It was, I believe it was almost the last day of the third quarter. So the ECS consolidated sales will show up in the fourth quarter, which, as you know, shows up in the uh, the year audit. So the, the numbers will start showing up in the fourth quarter of 2019. The uh, the sales for ECS, yes, they will definitely put us over $50 million a year. I know that that's a threshold. I hear that a lot. Uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, whatever it's worth, I hear the numbers $10 million, $50 million, and $100 million. Those are kind of those ingrained thresholds that we have as, as kind of stair steps for a company. Uh, but yes, this will put us over 50 million and it will show up uh, fourth quarter, 2019. All right. Very good. Next question. Since surge now owns ECS, does integrating and exploiting more stores, more, excuse me, more sales per store with ECS become more of a priority or, and, or does surge have the resources to tackle both at the same time? You know, this is a very, um, that's a very educated question, uh, and it must have come from someone that's been an operator because these are the things that, that I and my, my inner circle team look at and we evaluate any time there's a new product or subsidiary or opportunity. One, is it worth the while? Two, how fast can we make money? And three, will it distract us from our core focus and what we laid out in our strategic plan? So to answer that question, one of the unique 
um, one of the unique aspects of the ECS purchase is it wasn't just an equipment purchase or uh, buying somebody out, per se. We also bought the team at ECS that's run by Darren Winfrey, who uh, I would say, you know, is one of the couple of people in the country that's been involved or knows more about prepaid than I do. So it wasn't that we just gained 10,000 stores or, you know, uh, millions of dollars in revenue or, uh, you know, the, the other aspects. It's that we also purchased a team that can run, that we can feed these products to, that can communicate with these 160 salespeople and do upsells per store. So I'm not going to ever say that it's, it's more important than the ATEC rollout because ultimately our um, value as a company, I believe, is going to be in the relationships that we have with corner stores and how much we can sell per store. Now, is it a goal of ours to get these uh, these stores online to buying other products from us as opposed to just wireless top-up products? Absolutely. But that doesn't distract from the ATEC rollout because ATEC is responsible for getting our products into those stores. So I get updates from ATEC. We did hire a gentleman that, that helps manage that relationship but it doesn't distract or detract from anything that we're doing with the ECS integration. As a matter of fact, our developers have been working business days and weekends to integrate with ECS to connect, let's just call it connect the bridge, so to speak, on our wholesale platform through their software so that uh, stores can not only get access to our wholesale products that we've been bringing on the platform, but also obviously ECS has better buying rates than Surge does because ECS is doing, you know, 4 to $5 million a month. So we've been able to tap into their buying power, uh, for example, on some of the other wireless products that they're getting a better rate on because, you know, it is a transactional business in wireless top-ups. So every 1% does make a difference. So, uh, so hopefully that answers that question. All right, next question. Do we have any more of our own brand products coming in 2020 to sell direct to the corner stores? You know, I tell you, that's a question that makes me excited because at my core, I am a sales guy, and I do like gaining new ground and gaining new turf and seeing numbers go up, especially when we own and control them and they're things that we, that we, that we grease board, uh, you know, put on, the, put on the wall and then created something and then it sold. To answer that question without getting into specifics, because we've got some exciting news coming in over the next couple of weeks, yes, we do. Uh, we're very excited about it. We've got a wireless product that's going to be rolling out that we're really excited about, and we've got a couple of other CBD products that uh, they're, they're rolling out that we're excited about. You know, we've got a as, – as the software backbone in the transaction company, we've got a little bit of a cheat sheet we don't have to come up with things we think will sell and then hope and pray as we you know, put them out there on the altar that people come and buy them. We know what sells. For example, wireless, we know what sells. We're doing over 19,000 transactions a day. We know what's selling where, what the packages are, what uh, the coverage is. We know where the needs are. We don't have to compete with people that are advertising during the Super Bowl. We can go exactly where people shop in the areas where we can get the best response for the lowest amount of marketing costs. So um, that said, also in the CBD product world, you know, there's a lot of products out there. Uh, it's a gold rush, per se. But people are just going out and uh, creating products and then trying to jam them uh, down customers' throat. But at the end of the day, it's all about distribution. 
We have distribution. We own the channel. We own the pipeline. And also, we get the feedback of what customers are talking to store owners and asking for. You know, there, there's um, quite a few needs that are not being addressed just because people rushed out there to try to be first to market to throw products all over the place just because of the intrigue and curiosity of CBD. Well, we know the exact products that are being asked for that are not being addressed, so those are the products that we're going to be rolling out. Uh, really excited about those. one of my hands-on projects that I was involved in, so really excited to, um, to push that out. But, yeah, I would tell all of our shareholders and prospective shareholders, look, uh, keep an eye out over the next couple of weeks as we get these products market ready. Will there be a store locator tool on your website? And then in parentheses, it says surge pays or ECS. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a, that's a question. I'm not going to say it's a funny question, but it brings back a lot of memories. And I would say it very simply, absolutely not no way in the world. And the reason I say this is because back in the day when I was building my first company, we were literally hitting the roads all throughout the southeast. This goes back to the whole staying in truck stop hotels and, you know, the discount places. And just uh, before, this is before smartphones. So you're literally picking up maps, uh, you know, and, and finding your way to the southeast. Well, one of the ways, if I know that, for example, let's say I'm going to Jackson, Mississippi next. One of the ways where I could cut my time in half on prospecting for uh, hopeful stores to sell my goods was to go on a competitor's website and use their store locator tool and then just map, you know, A, B, C, D, E. Hey, I'm going to hit these. I'm just going to go try to flip these stores of a competitor. So I'm not interested in making life easy for the competition. Uh, you know, we do, even though we do feel like we're a first to market mover and it is a land grab on what we're offering with not only wireless top up, but all these other wholesale products as well. We do, uh, you know, it's not something I'm, I'm, I'm ever going to do because I know what it's used for. Uh, and, and bluntly, look, at the end of the day, a customer that wants our product is not going to go to the website and look uh, for a store um, and try to find it through a locator. It's just not going to happen. That's not reality. Customers, that the whole concept of the mom-and-pop corner store is those people go to that store five to seven times a day. That's where they go. That's where they get their toiletries. That's where they get their, their, a lot of them get their food. That's where they get their snacks, their cigarettes, their alcohol, whatever it is. That's where they go and get it. So the, the, the sales are done by people going in and being familiar with that store, not people going to the website like what we may do and the people listening to this phone call may do. That's not our target market, and there's most likely that none of our target markets even listen to this call. So, you know, it's always, we've got to keep things in perspective. This isn't the TV ad where you can go to, you know, Home Depot and buy the new, uh, the new thing that, that pops up weeds. This is things that, um, these, are, these are products that are sold to the market because they're in proximity to where our market lives. All right. It looks like True Wireless had some challenges in 2019. Give us, please give us some detail and also expectations moving forward with not only True Wireless, but the additional lifeline states mentioned in a press release in quarter four. Sure. Uh, I like this question because this is one of the more exciting things about 2020. There was a little bit of regulatory uncertainty in 2019. Uh, and anytime there's regulatory uncertainty, you know, it's better just to sit on the sidelines and watch and see what happens. You know, Washington is an interesting city. And, uh, you know, a lot of things that come out of Washington are 
you know, with regulations, you know, we have to abide by them whether they're logical or not. So with all that we had going on at Surge, we did reallocate resources during this uncertainty to developing our other wireless products and some of the other projects that we had going. Now, here's where the good news uh, kicks in. We did get the uncertainty cleared up. There were some things that happened in Washington that was in our favor, not only in our favor, but also in all the other Lifeline companies' favor as well. So what we initiated two months ago, which would have been the very end of uh, 2019, was really a full-court press on getting back out there and not only growing True Wireless in the states where it has its license, and True Wireless has license in five states, but we've also contracted with other Lifeline companies to go out and use the same machine, the same sales machine and the sales arms and the organizations and management and tools that are able to look over, watch, and manage compliantly the True Wireless sales to apply those and help other companies get their um, their sales up too. And it's a really unique approach because with True Wireless, we're obviously purchasing Androids, and you know you get those on terms, and then you've got an ROI associated with those terms based on paying the carrier, getting the uh, the monthly subsidy payment from uh, USAC. Well, if we're working directly with other companies, we don't have to pay for the handset, and we're not paying carrier bills. We're getting more of an upfront uh, payment from these companies. So it's, it's, a, it's a unique cash flow balance. And then one of those states that we achieved was California. Now, I've been trying to get into California for three or four years, and we're literally lighting up California right now as I'm on the phone call with you. And uh, so we're, we're super excited to see the results, not only of True Wireless growing back to where it was previous to some of this uncertainty in early 2019, but also growing in the other states as well. All right. So next question, can people with good credit use Surge Phone Wireless too? If we want to use it for our kids to save money, how would we order it? and pay for it if we don't shop at an underbanked convenience store. Are there any other plans with Surge Phone other than the $10 plan? Yeah, that's, that's two questions, so let me take that in two parts. Like, let, me, let me answer the second question first. Are there any other plans other than a $10 starter plan? Uh, that's one of the, uh, the announcements, for lack of a better word, that we'll be making here over the next week or so. Uh, you know, we're constantly negotiating with carriers, constantly looking for ways to not only just save money on existing customers, but look at better offerings so that we can come out and we can provide a really value-based plan uh, to uh, to offer customers and grow customers. Because, look, you can charge a little bit more and spend a bunch of money on branding, or you can opt for what we do and, hey, let's just pass that savings uh, along to the customer. Let's, let's be that value plan to the customer, and uh, you know, let's let's ultimately let them save more money. The store owner makes more money by taking the payment, and uh, you know, everyone's uh, happy because again, our sales model is selling in front of the customer, not in ads on TV. So, with that said, I do get this question a lot, believe it or not, whether it's about the teenagers or maybe uh, you know, hey, my mom and dad, uh, seniors type question where, you know, hey, on a fixed income, and obviously teenagers are on a fixed income too, you know, hey, is this something they provide? And I do understand, you know, you wouldn't want to necessarily send your mom or dad across town to uh, to go into a, uh, a convenience store 
and then, you know, sign up or pay their bill. We've got a website, surgephone.com. So that's surge, S-U-R-G-E, phone, P-O-H-N-E, dot com. And one of the software upgrades that we've just completed over the last couple of weeks is not only can you order your SIM starter kit, but you can also set up a credit card payment or just reoccurring payment. So, yes, you do not have to go to a convenience store to order search phone to order one of our value-based plans, and uh, you don't have to uh, you know, go to the convenience store to pay for it. All right. So is the surge prepaid visa ready? We have not heard anything about branding or ads and marketing. How is surge going to get prepaid visa customers? Yes, the surge prepaid visa is ready. I believe we announced that uh, in the fourth quarter last year. It's ready. It's working. Uh, I've got one in my wallet right now. The reason that you know most people out there on the go have not seen anything branding or what have you. This isn't a product that was going to be something that, uh, you know, we're going to be putting on billboards and, uh, you know, TV ads and that type of thing. That, you know, there, there's competition in that, and there's companies that that's all they do. And, you know, this wasn't something where we want to go head-to-head in their arena. I wanted to be a little bit smarter and be able to get this product in the right customer's hands efficiently. So what we've come up with, and this kind of ties back, I alluded to the Surge Rewards app earlier. When we're doing an enrollment for Lifeline on the wireless side, that customer gets government assistance to be a compliant Lifeline customer. So if that customer falls within that 35 to 40% of the country that would get some type of assistance, there's a really good 9 out of 10 chance that they've also got challenges with their credit. So what we've developed is a sales technique. It's kind of a one-two punch. Enroll them in the government-subsidized wireless program, then offer them a, uh, a free, by the way. This is a big deal because normally, you know, this costs between, for a personalized visa, it usually costs the customer between $12.99 and $19.99 at the store. But offer them, since they've signed up for a Lifeline phone, through, uh, through search, would you like to go ahead and, you know, get a free personalized visa? And they have a sample, you know, that, and so potential customers can look at a piece of plastic that we all take for granted when we go to the store and just whip it out of our wallets or billfolds or purses. But for a lot of these customers, they've never had their name on a piece of plastic. We're offering them that. But one of the cool tie-ins is we're letting them know, hey, your phone, the, the phone that we just handed you, comes with a surge rewards app there's there's things all you got to do use the app there's various things watching videos filling out surveys just using the phone there's lock screen ads there's other things you can do to create cash back each month and the cash will be awarded to you or paid to you through the surge visa so we're basically kind of forcing you know i'm an old economist that was my my studies so it's a uh, supply and demand so we're increasing the demand for our card simply by creating this need for customers to get their cash payout or just get the personalized Visa card. Because now, you know, as soon as they get the card, now we start telling them all the wonderful things about the card. Like, hey, you can get your check direct deposited to your, your card now, you know, automatically sent. You know, you don't have to go cash checks anymore. 
you uh, if you do have a check, you can take a picture of the front and back of a check, and it goes through a clearinghouse and gets deposited on your card. You don't have to go deposit your uh, excuse me. You don't have to go cash checks anymore. And some of the other benefits that you know once they're in that surge ecosystem of of hey your wireless your 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 debit excuse me your reloadable Visa prepay card. All of these other functions, and then, you know, oh, by the way, other products as we travel down this road. So it's a really good question, but no, you're not going to see Surge Visa ads because we're upselling directly to our customer base, leveraging the relationships while we're building the relationship. All right, and the follow-up question to that is how can we get a Surge prepaid Visa? Hey, if you're like me, and you just want one or you're, uh, you know, it's funny. I have shareholders that just want one because, you know, they, they, they own a part of a company and they want to be able to, you know, it's, it's kind of that psychological uh, connectivity. Uh, you can go on Surge Fintech, that's S-U-R-G-E-F-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and apply for a Surge Visa. We'll send you the personalized visa. I think it takes about 10 business days to get to you. But, yeah, I'd love for everyone here on the call to go ahead and, and try it out, get them a, a surge visa. And, 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 hey, even if it's just something they use as a backup, that'd be great. All right. Does management still plan on uplisting to NASDAQ in 2020? And what is currently the status on that? Yes. Let me give a little background information because there's a lot of things. You know, we, we've got advisors all around us. And we've got a great team of folks, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, in, in Memphis, Chicago, New York, uh, that we've got a lot of people rooting for us and, and on our team that's kind of paving the way for us in this uplist. So we've definitely taken a methodical strategic approach because, bluntly, we wanted to do it the right way and to make the biggest splash, not just get to NASDAQ, uh, but to get there and do something special. We, we've kept our eyes on, on the grid uh, and saw in 2019 that 81% of the companies that uplisted were not profitable. So we, we scratched our heads a little bit and came up with a game plan of, you know what, just getting there and just, just, just to do it, that doesn't make sense. If we go ahead and focus on each one of these subsidiaries, get them not just profitable, but cash flow positive profitable, if we go ahead and lay this out and do it the right way, not under duress, not under some kind of four-alarm fire where it's all or nothing, where we end up, you know, dumping or diluting the company to just to get there, uh, just to check a box and, and ring a bell. We want to do it the right way. Um, so the best way to answer that is absolutely it's my goal and the goal of our board to, to get there in 2020. That was one of the reasons why we wanted to wrap up and kind of encapsulate all of the development, the research, the infrastructure build-out, all of the expenses that, and capital expenses that we uh, put into uh, 2019. We wanted to get everything ready, get all of our branding ready, get all of our products ready, get our software platforms ready, make sure that the ECS um, uh, you know, acquisition was shored up and everybody's integrated. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as being able to, you know, give, give a, a d- direct, I don't know, pinpoint of a timeline, you know, I would just say this. We got into this to go to NASDAQ, you know, two years ago. That's why we did this. It's one of our focus points. It's one of our key, uh, key factors that we, uh, that we always apply 
to decision making. Uh, you know, we, we try to operate as a NASDAQ company operates. We, the team members that we add now, we're adding NASDAQ level team members. We're adding NASDAQ level vendors. Uh, and so those are things that we're doing on this path of what I would say doing it the right and disciplined way. You know, I'm going to jump down in the questions right now, Brian, because I see another question that's right in this wheelhouse. Uh, would you be willing to do a reverse split to get to NASDAQ if that's what was required? You'd be surprised how much I get that question. And, you know, here's the thing. I definitely don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I don't. I-, I wish I did. I just don't. As we're growing the company and we're doing everything in our power to grow sales, grow revenue, to improve the balance sheet, to give people a reason to want to be stakeholders in our company, to do the things that would hopefully, you know, appreciate the value of, uh, of, of stock in our company. I, 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 again, I don't have the crystal ball, and the things that I'm focused on right in front of me are exactly what we talked about, increasing same-store sales with ECS, getting these products rolled out, getting all of our company's cash flow positive. But if that was what it took at the end of the day to get to NASDAQ, you know, I was even switching hats right now. If I'm the largest shareholder of Surge, I'm not going to make decisions that would be a detriment to the shareholders and stakeholders in our company, the people that believe in us. I'm not going to do it because I would be, I would be doing the same thing to me. You know, that's one of the unique aspects of Surge is your top executives are the top stakeholders in the company. So the decisions they're making on a day-to-day basis are revolving around the long-term value of, of Surge. So, you know, we'll make that decision when we get there, but we're always going to do what we feel like not only is, is in our opinion, but the opinions of many uh, of, of our council, people that have quarterbacked companies to NASDAQ. We're going to do things that put Surge in the best light possible to hit the ground running on NASDAQ and also to reward people that have believed in us since day one. All right, let's get back on track then, or get back in order anyways. Why did Surge file an S-1 registration, then withdraw it and amend it? What is the status of the S-1, and why was it filed without an investment bank or immediate intent to sell shares? You know, that, that's a good one. We, you know, you, you'll hear me, you'll hear a lot of common threads in my speak. Uh, you know, one of them is value and relationships. Uh, one of them is results. Uh, everything, you know, anybody that works for me knows the, um, the, the all caps, bold, underlined results phrase. That's the only thing that matters. Um, this falls into the third thing that I say is control what you can control. Based on our advisors and the folks that have taken many a company to NASDAQ, the one thing that would be out of our control would be that S-1 registration. And the reason is, the company had never done an S-1 registration in the past. So basically, as it, and again, I am definitely not a, a securities and exchange attorney, but in layman's terms, when you file your first S-1 registration, they go back to day one for your public entity. They look across the board for any red flags or anything that you need to clean up before the SEC will approve your S-1 registration. So as it was relayed to me, hey, look, 
you guys get ready to uplist in 2020. You're ready to go. You file the. You've got your investment bank. You know the dollar amount that uh, that you want to raise, and you literally could get an examiner uh, uh, at the SEC that takes six to eight months to give you feedback, and then there's red flags that you had no idea existed from years before you guys took over that you got to fix. So we made the decision, and I, I, I stick by it. I think it was a great decision to go ahead and file an S one without an investment bank and just put a, a number on there, you know, because you got to put a number to file it. But we did so in a way. It's kind of like fishing. Let's let's see. Let's see if there's any red flags. Let's clean them up now. Let's clean them up now during this build out uh, time. Let's not wait till we're at the starting line. Uh, and, you know, kind of like the bus stop and there's no bus. So we went ahead, filed the S one. Uh, we got the comments back, and we were very, very pleased. There were no red flags. There's nothing that's going to be a big delay. Uh, so now that's in our laps ready to throw back. Uh, and when we throw it back, it would be with the appropriate investment banker. It would be for the amount that we would target for the uplist. And, you know, everything would be a methodical rhythm from that point forward. So, so that's the reason. As far as the amendment, I believe there was a – and this is, again, I'm not an attorney, but there was a paragraph – it was simply uh, mistakenly left out from the original filing, so it was just simply there was just one paragraph that was added back in uh, on on the refiling. But that's that's the status of the S one, and that's why we did it. We're again everything that we're doing has been a surgical and methodical planned out action for the ultimate uplift. All right, very good. Now, do you have any acquisitions in mind, or exploring any other companies to purchase? You know. As a, uh, a hard-charging, let's just call it conquering entrepreneur, I'm always open to acquisitions, uh, and I'm always open to uh, uh, other companies, whether it be a company that has a product that we can make more money uh, off of because of our distribution or whether it's a company that has a network distribution that we can plug into our network and create more sales. Uh, you know, one of my mentors when I first got going, he, he always had the expression, he was, uh, believe it or not, an early investor in my first company. And he said, uh, you know, if it don't make sense, and he spelled it out on the board, uh, you know, with an S, if it don't make sense, then, or excuse me, if it don't make sense with a C, C-N-T-S, then it don't make sense, and sat down. And at the time, that was one of the, the wealthiest guys I know. And so I always apply that to decision-making. I always apply that thought to acquisitions. I'm not going to – we're not going to do any kind of acquisition – just for the sake of pride or ego or for the heck of it, it's got to fit inside of our um, the framework of our of what we're building. It's got to you know create revenue. It's got to be something that doesn't distract us from our core growth model. And uh, but to you know specifically, yes, there's a couple of, of companies that we're eyeballing. Now's not the right time. There's some things we need to continue to do with ECS, and you know there's some things that we want to do. Um, as far as cash flow in a couple of these subsidiaries, but absolutely, we're, we're always going to be open-minded to acquisitions. And, you know, you've got a, a management team that has grown, not just me, but some of the other gentlemen that are on our uh, management team. All of us have grown organic companies and then through acquisition as well. Well, Brian, let's wrap up this call then with an overall outlook for 2020. Once again, the floor is yours. Sure. I'll, I'll keep this real high level. This has been a long uh, call, and I'm sure the people that are still on right now are about ready to uh, to, to hop off. But so I'll, I'll leave it at this. 
we've kind of phased out this process. You know, there was a, a getting our 2018, getting our sea legs, getting our vendors, doing some cleanup in the company, uh, you know, getting the right team members in place. Uh, 2019 was the development, infrastructure, research, uh, the, the things that needed to be done to get us to now. Now, where are we now? 2020, which is also kind of cool because obviously 2020, there's all kind of, you know, there's all kind of, of, of statements you can make about 2020, but it is true. This is going to be a, a rollout sales and revenue year for us. I'm excited because at my core, that's what I am. I'm, I'm not really an engineer. Uh, you know, I'm not a, a guy that does well in the lab or, uh, you know, I don't get excited uh, when I see, you know, concrete and rebar uh, in a company per se, I, I like the growth. I, I like the numbers. I like the sales. I like the acquisition. Uh, you know, going even going back to my old days as an offensive lineman. Hey, man, I, I, I want to move. I want to gain yards on every play. So this is fun for me right now. This is the part where I can go out and do what I'm best suited to do, which is do deals with people, roll these products out, bring on more salespeople, bring on more networks of, um, of independent sales networks. And just to, to touch on that, that's for example, let's say I've got uh, 100 stores that I call on in um, Kansas City. So I've got a network of 100 stores. Well, those types of people, we're going to be engaging, incentivize those, those people to bring those stores with us uh, you know, and to help them make money. I think the metrics for us this year are going to be not just the number of stores, but the volume of sales per store. Those will be two key metrics that we'll be focusing on that, uh, you know, let's revisit in six to eight months. Uh, I believe True Wireless is going to do outstanding. I believe that the Lifeline sales outside of, uh, of the five states that we have licenses in are going to do great and be um, big profit contributors, you know, contributors to search holdings overall. I believe that... Um, Surge Logics is going to continue to grow. As a matter of fact, I know Carter, the president of the company, was just down at our operations center in Central America, and their largest client just doubled the number of reps that they want. So they would only do that if they expect to double the volume of sales revenue going to Surge Logics. So I think across the board, and keep in mind that a lot of our products go hand in hand as the lifeline sales grow. The Surge Visa cardholders will grow. As the stores grow, then we're going to be able to go negotiate better buy rates. So not only can we sell more product, but we can sell more product and get better deals where Surge ends up profiting more at the end of the day. So those would be my high-level metrics that I believe. Uh, and, and all of these things lead to, like I said, one step at a time, control the things we can control and move down the road closer to this NASDAQ uplift goal. And then lastly, uh, you know, uh, something that we touched on, you know, working hand-in-hand to help best exploit ATAC's membership stores, getting them on our platform and getting as many sales as we possibly can uh, through our platform to these stores. 
Well, listeners, that concludes our call. I want to thank everybody for submitting your questions, and I want to encourage you not to stop now. Go ahead and continue to send those questions in via the company's website, via my website, smallcapvoice.com, my email address, which was given to you in the press release announcing this, simply smith at smallcapvoice.com. We really encourage you to keep sending those questions. For those who are on this call that don't know the company as well, refer back to the press release out just 30 days ago where we announced a couple of interviews with the company, and that is December 10th, 2019. Use that ticker symbol S-U-R-G to find those audio interviews. That'll give you the basic building blocks of the company, the management team pushing this company forward, as well as several of the moves that they made in 2019. Brian, thanks for your time. I look forward to doing with this doing this again with you in the future. Hey, thank you, Stuart. And again, thanks to everyone that submitted your questions. We appreciate uh, everyone. We appreciate your questions. And again, just know that you've got a great team fighting for you guys every single day. For Brian Cox, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening.